Welcome to the Carolyn Shuttlesworth Podcast, where we'll dive deep into the Word of God, build strong faith, and finish the devil. Here's your host, author, speaker, and nonstop mom, Carolyn Shuttlesworth. Um, so, ask the questions on Instagram. You can put the questions in the comments, and uh, we'll do our best to answer uh, as many of them as we can. Laura Bible knows what I'm talking about. We throw Cheerios out and she's fine. See that? Yeah, and she has an infant. Like, yep. you know. The infant over, can take care of themselves for a couple hours during a movie. It teaches them how to reach and grab and fend for yourselves at a young yep. age. Zach, Zach Wilson said, leave the stove world. on low. So when they touch it, it's hot enough to, to learn, but not enough hot enough to burn. Duh. Heard that. Duh. That's some supernatural wisdom from my friend. All my kids have fallen down the stairs and have never broken a bone. Never a bone. Nope. Sometimes we throw them just to test their bone strength. <laughs> but well, They really have fallen down the stairs. But. Johnny Hale said, beauty and the beast. But, you know, I, I told you no one else is allowed to call you beast. But anyway, Johnny Hale doing a, a technically accurate job down there in, in, uh, in Georgia. Technically so. accurate. <laughs> hey, Faith. Love you, too. So good seeing you last week. Love you. What do we have? People already sent questions in via Instagram? Yeah, so put your questions up in the comments. Put your questions in the comments. Right there. See that? Press that and start typing. Y'all typing everything else throughout the day. Oh, start I got Start making it, some sense now. So you did, a, you did a question sticker on your story? I did. And so people already got questions in. Yes. How and where can a single mom find a good, godly husband? You asking me? Well, I know we, there's we can a start husband by store. Where they can't find them. <laughs> there's a few places that I would recommend you don't go. Caitlin, seriously, we've already talked about it, and we put the slide up. Just You're on YouTube. Just rewind it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> seriously. No, I'm giving away $200 date night gift card. So you can go out on a date and enjoy, but you have to be married. So if you're married, Caitlin, then enter. <laughs> people, people are putting where not to find a husband in the comments. Prison ministry, the bar, definitely not yeah. Walmart. Strip Do club. Strip club would be a, a terrible Chip, place. Chippendales. Chippendales, Such terrible a bad place. Idea. Um, not the wing place that Carolyn used to love to go to. Um, Hooters? Yeah. I, I never, I never liked Carolyn, that place. Listen, you drove I me there never, so many times. Is that times. place even open anymore? Is that I don't a thing? Know. I don't I've know. I've never seen them anymore. But I, I. You drugged me no, there. You no. always wanted to go on dates there, and no. I was like, Carolyn, I'm saved. No. I'm a Christian. I don't go to those types of places. <laughs> uh, Preston Shuttlesworth, who is in the comments, single, and he's hot, and he's got money. So if you want to snatch somebody <laughs> up. I'll tell you a good place to find somebody to get married to is and in the comments section. A good Pegasus sweatshirt that sure will, does. Sure you know. does. Um, so I would say use wisdom because obviously the number one thing we try to do. <laughs> period. <laughs> Next question. <laughs> I would say use wisdom. <laughs> period. Well, no. The, the no, thing it's just is, a funny way to start. Well, it is because people. It's like people. They know it and then they don't. They like do every wrong thing. If I could tell, <laughs> Zach, don't even start. If I, if I could tell you how many people that we've talked to have been like, well, you know, I met this guy. It's like they get so desperate for a relationship. Like, I met this guy, I met this girl, really, really nice. They're not really saved. They don't really go to church. They don't believe in Jesus, really. They don't even believe that he existed necessarily. Kind of an atheist, but so nice. And, you know, like, seriously, what? <laughs> 
It's true. And people are like, you know, uh, I'd like them to come to church, but like we've been in a relationship now for a few months. Just as soon as they love children, they love kids and um, just has a steady job. It's like, yes, but the most important things are not there. And so I always, I've always encouraged people to, um, of course, we, we use wisdom. We're led by the spirit, but it, you can only find kind of an atheist. You can only find yourself in problems. Yeah. When you link yourself up with somebody that is uh, unsaved and the Bible speaks about that. Don't be unequally yoked with an unbeliever. The Bible says, uh, second Corinthians chapter six, Amos Paul deals three, with it. three. How can, How can you... two walk together unless they be agreed? Yes. And so it's true. You're going to always have tension in a relationship. Right. Uh, unless you're both headed in the same direction and especially spiritually. That's why I tell people if, if the Lord is, you consider the Holy Spirit, Jesus Christ, the most important thing in your life, then why would you link yourself up with someone um, who doesn't care anything about Jesus, doesn't care anything about obeying the scripture, yeah. uh, the church, doesn't care anything about it. Um, it's a mistake. It is a massive mistake. And um, so I would say that you obviously want to, um, and I understand not everybody's going to find their like husband or wife, like right in church or, you know what I mean? But like you at least want to have some parameters set so that when you're looking for a husband or wife, there's got to be some criteria, you know, shouldn't yeah, only be hot wow. or money. I mean, I know those are the two reasons you got with me, but there's. You aren't supposed to tell people. Cody said, should you flirt to convert? That's, that's called missionary dating. Yeah, you French Doesn't kiss work. them into the kingdom. Into the kingdom. That's French right. kiss them into the kingdom. French kiss them right into the kingdom. I used kingdom. to say that at, at youth. I, we used to do those youth camps hey, so Bethany. often. Hey, Hooker, hey. <laughs> and I, <laughs> oh, Lord, we're derailing already. And, and I, I, I used to ask the question. I'd be like, how many of you, you know, because they thought I was like going to go after their salvation. You know what I mean? Like, I was like, how many of you in here are, are, are dating somebody that's unsaved? You know, like 70% of the hands in the room <laughs> go up. They're proud about it. You know, because they think like, we're going to believe God. They're all going to, uh, and, and literally the hands would go up and I was like, great. After the service tonight, call them on the phone and break up with them. And every hand shoots down. Um, but I, I was making the point, obviously, that uh, you cannot allow yourself to do what the Bible says and, uh, and unequally yoke yourself up with an unbeliever. It will just bring tension. It'll just bring yeah. destruction, heartbreak. It's terrible. And that's why the Bible warns you against it ahead of time. Because the majority of the time, you're going to be pulled the wrong direction. You're not going to be strong enough because you're not filling your... If you're filling yourself up with the Word of God, you're going to have a distaste for those things. So you're not going to want to be with somebody who's living a lifestyle like right. that. So you're, now you're already at the point where you're compromising that. If you're compromised at the beginning, you're going to compromise everything else. And before you know it, you guys won't be going to church together. What? I was just thinking of how crazy that flirt to convert was. It would be like at the nth degree of it. Like you come get with Jesus, then you get all of this. <laughs> it's like, I'm going to get saved today. But it's, 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 it's absolutely true. And it's if true. We, if we uh, believe. We've all tried it. I know. I, I know. I did in high school. There was a guy I brought to church and, you know, it was it was the best thing ever. He went forward for salvation. I'm like, yes, he's finally saved. And he was an idiot. 
Like, idiot. And I still hope you're watching today because you were an idiot. He, he died. Oh. <laughs> you don't tell me the end result before I make the comments. <laughs> Good Lord. Um, <laughs> you were going to finish the story and say he died? No, I wasn't. I wasn't even going to say he well, died. He's dead. <laughs> Why would you laugh about that? See what I have to deal with? All, every day. Every day. Um, Bethany like Hooker Bethany. said she married a hooker straight out of the gate. Listen. But, but anyway, my point was he got saved, but that was it, it. You know, he did it because he wanted to date me, and then the rest of his life never lived like that. So therefore, we are no longer, and he's no longer around. No. We're no longer around, and he's no longer He's around. no longer here. No longer here. Um, Caitlin literally dead. So, but no, in all honesty, if you are uh, living for Christ, of course we talk about being led by the Spirit. So, though you may not find um, your husband right in a church service or whatever like that, um, if you're in the place God wants you to be, if you're following his plan for your life, just the same way that you can trust him to keep you in salvation, you can keep you in healing, keep you, that you, as, he, as you stay in the path he's created for you, that he'll keep that plan in development and bring you to the person that God wants to uh, have in your life. And so uh, I would say more than, more than worrying about where can I go find a man, where can I go find a woman, be more worried about how can I um, follow God's plan to the nth degree so that I'm in the exact right place at the exact right time where, where God has his plan developing. And in his plan, he has something great for me relationally as well. So I would to answer that question, that's, that's what I would say. And when I was doing my um, faithful confessions this past, what are we on, what, Friday? On Wednesday, I came across this verse, Genesis 2.18. It says, then the Lord God said, it is not good for man to be alone. I will make a helper who is just right for him. So there's someone that's just right for you. He's made someone for us. So it's better right now, and I said this earlier, is be single until God brings that right one to you. Because believe me, it's a lot better than marrying the wrong person. And God's going to bring the right one for you. Absolutely. Absolutely. Right. Wish I had all the money back that I'd spent on other girlfriends. Yeah. I'd have tens of dollars. No. Nope. From We'd be more wealthy right now. I know. Um, it's true, though. <laughs> it, it is true. Oh, there's Miss Jerry. What did Zach say? I believe the best thing to do is to say, God told me you're supposed to be my wife to every woman you meet. Until, until one, one says yes. yes. That's exactly how you do it if you're at Bible school. You just buy a, like, like a ring, and then every girl you see, you corner her and say that until one says yes. If multiple women say yes after you've asked, you convert to Mormonism. What's the next question? <laughs> hey, Nona Jerry, I love you. <laughs> my favorite. All right. Convert to Mormonism. Um, question number two. Okay. How to love, I guess it's more like how to love your husband when you feel like they're just I'll read it for a roommate. Well, read. that's it doesn't make sense that way. How to love when you're just a roommate. Oh, you skipped one. Well, it's the same person. Okay. Would you want me to read it the exact way? Because yeah. you like that question so much. I like so that much. question. Let's okay. Read it. How to be intimate after being the roommate? My buttons are off and dusty. Buttons are dusty. You've I I say simply just 
the desktop and push the buttons. Well, you see what I'm dealing with on Instagram. See this? Uh, blow the dust off and push the buttons. Is that's your? That's my spiritual answer. This is if you had a if you had a personal counseling session with Sister Carolyn. This is what you're gonna you get. You would love it. You blow would the dust love off and it. push the buttons. This is what you're gonna get. That's right. Um, Some stuff is black effective. and white. Okay. It is. We don't need to beat around the bush. <laughs> Ted Allen. Ted Allen. Ted Allen. <laughs> Go. Can you please go? You, you can you go with your answer? Can you like? Ted broke the internet button or something. <laughs> Roger Lane said it's going off the rails on the podcast. It's the one you gave me, Lord. How do you have <laughs> such a dirty paper towel on uh, Um <laughs> Tiffany, we may need more tissues before it's over. Yes, it's true. Nona Jerry, listen to your wife. Um, <coughs> so the question, I think what we have to, <coughs> I think what we have to uh, talk about first is. Here comes summer dreams. Thank you. Do you want to walk? In the summer in? wind. Okay. You want to come back? You come, come she said first. after that, no thanks. <laughs> um, <laughs> I think the first thing you have to, to answer is, um, the first thing you got to answer is what, what the roommate situation was, right? Um, of course, you know, we, How did we don't you get to that point. Yeah. Well, I didn't know if she meant like they started off as roommates and then got married and now they're in the relationship. Of course we don't, um, go from it as if you get to that point where you're used to living with somebody, which I've talked about in the last few broadcasts is you get to that roommate status. You can get married, you get comfortable with life and work and everything else. You get comfortable knowing each other where you just kind of become, you know, your guards down with how you care, how you look, how you talk to each other. And that becomes roommate status. Then you have kids. And then what happens, you end up putting your kids before your husband. That was one of the things I talked about on that broadcast yeah. because that's how you can get into roommate status. And then your kids leave and then it's the two of you looking at each other, right. you know, again. And you're like, who are you? And it's because you put everything else in life yeah. before you put your spouse first. Yeah, and then it ends and you up can get to you, that. You, you can get to that point where you're not intimate anymore because right. You you do feel more like friends. Yeah, that's, you went to the friend zone. That's true because you've let uh, so many other things um, get in the way of of intimacy and friendship and all that stuff with your spouse. It does end up happening. It does end up happening, which is why we go from. Um, the, the standpoint of, of course, your relationship with Christ is the most important thing. And then right after that is your relationship with your spouse. Right after that is your relationship with your children. And then after that would be your ministry slash career, whatever else. And so when you keep it in the right perspective, in the right order, when you keep it in the right pr priority, um, 
priority points, it's more, it's far more healthy. And, and, and you're not going to have that same destructive uh, outcome when you do, and it is. Daniel said it's, it's so easy for that to happen, and it is. Life moves quickly. You're always doing something. You can get busy. You can get overly busy. And so it's the same thing that we always talk about that happens with your Bible reading or anything else, that if you don't make a point to do it, if you don't make time to do it, um, if you don't make time to go on dates, to, you know, spend the time together, all those things, then those things aren't going to happen because all that time will just be filled up with what needs to be done and what has to get done kind of thing. And so you have to make those, uh, you have to make those priorities and set them in place. So um, I would say for one, do that and make sure that you're putting that relationship first. You know, the, the, obviously in the best case scenario, don't let uh, the buttons get dusty in the first place. Don't allow, um, the, don't allow your feelings to cool down. Don't allow your, the callus to grow in your heart in the first place. But I've said this before on the broadcast when we were talking about that man that went in to see his pastor and just basically told him, uh, I'm in a, I'm in trouble because I don't love my wife anymore. Um, what should I do? You know, I don't, I don't love her. And the pastor said, he said, I'm not in love with her. Pastor said, I know the answer. Go home and love her. And he said, what do you, what do you mean by that? I just told you I don't. He said, no, no, go, go home and show the actions of love uh, to your wife until the feeling comes back. It's not about the feeling. Go back and show the actions of love. Love is an action word. It's funny because lots of these big things that we try to figure out have such simple answers. Yeah, it, it really like does. Like you're like saying, you know, I need, you sitting there expecting this whole big explanation, this whole big answer, and it was one simple, just go love her. Just go love her. So a lot of things can be fixed in our relationship by just simple basics, you self -control. know, self-control and, and putting, you know, someone had, had wrote me the other day and I was talking about the different love languages and mm -hmm. uh, someone said, uh, my husband loves uh, physical touch, cuddle, sit together, this and that. I'm so far the opposite. You know, what do I do? And I said, you, you have to speak his love language. Like you have to die to self and go over and give what he needs. If he wants to be cuddled, if he wants to be touched, if he wants to be, you know, sit next to on the couch and curl up next to each other, if that's something, you know, you die to yourself and then you go and you do that for the other person. Yeah. You don't just like, well, that's not, you know, my love language, so too bad. And, and I was saying the other day that a lot of of the love language gets mixed up, we end up doing what our love language is for right. the other person. Thinking it'll be theirs too. And and it's not theirs. And then lots of conflict could be fixed just by knowing how the other person receives. It's yeah. not that the other person doesn't like the other stuff, but I was saying that the, their particular love language gets triggered inside of them. Right. That is is a better receiving end. Yeah, no question. You can, You can appreciate things that are done for you but it doesn't spark that uh, feeling of like this there. It's proven that there are ways that people feel loved more than others. It's not that they don't appreciate, for example, gift giving. That's something that people really, really feel loved. Some people really feel loved when they receive gifts from someone, but to others, they may appreciate the gift, but it's not their way of feeling loved or fulfilled. You know, they may need words of affirmation. They may, may need physical touch. They may need something quality time, you know, something else. 
And it's not that they don't appreciate the other things. It's just that it's not in their makeup. That's not the way they receive or feel fulfilled in love. So it's important to, and the Bible talks about this. It tells us to be submitted one to another in love. So if you're um, submitted one to another in love, then you're going to prefer the other above yourself. And that's going to be, in all honesty, my, my wife and I have taught about this before. People think that marriage is 50-50, but marriage is not 50-50. It's 100-100. Both people fully giving uh, of themselves and putting the other first. And uh, it's, it's exactly what brings about the, the godly result that you're looking for is the, uh, yeah, exactly, Daniel. And many people do. Many people do. So you have to, you have to make sure that you are uh, putting the other person fully uh, before yourself, above yourself, and preferring them, preferring them first. Another question came in, what if I feel called to the ministry and my wife does not feel called to the ministry? Um, that is, that's a big thing because before you go into the ministry, you need to be unified and united, I, I guess I should say, on um, this decision. It's a life-changing decision, and you both need to feel called to it. Because what will end up happening is if you make a decision where there's no unity, um, I've seen many times the, that ministry pull people apart, right, rather yes. than it, it being it, a blessing. If it's not, if you're not unified in it, it's really not going to work. Yeah. I mean, like, especially being in it now for how 20 many years? years, 20 years now, you know, if, if I wanted nothing to do with or didn't have the vision and didn't have anything I mean, that would, it, it would put a serious strain on our marriage. Well, yeah. And that, the I other mean, thing like that happens, serious strain on our relationship. No question. And then what happens is you start having the husband or, and the, or the wife or the husband and the wife start resenting each other. I just said last night at dinner because he went to Michigan and very few times throughout the year, you know, maybe even like five throughout the whole year, Ted goes on his own with the with the team and I'll stay home with the kids just because we do have a home and homeschool and there are some things that I have to do around the house and paperwork and things where I need to be present at home. And, um, you know, I said at dinner last night, I said, there's no way that this ministry, even this marriage, and that and, and get this, the marriage, our, our relationship, far surpasses the ministry. Sure. I care more about that than anything else. Sure. And so, but none of it would work. I, I you know, I, and I have felt that feeling before when, you know, I was due to have the babies and I had to be home for a long, you know, six weeks at, at, at the most back then. And he'd come home. I mean, just different schedules. We're on different pages. And, and there wasn't even like a live stream like it is now. That right. helps a lot, but still not the same. It's not the same as being in the service, in the anointing, being in it, then, you know, getting a phone call later after, after service. So especially, I mean, for ministry and to work, you guys are going to need to be yeah, because on the when same you see page. That, uh, when you see that resentment set in, that's a terrible thing. Because the husband, let's say he goes into ministry and then he starts resenting his wife because he said, well, she won't, she doesn't, she doesn't do anything with me in the ministry. She doesn't believe in the ministry. She doesn't push the ministry. She doesn't stand in the ministry. She's actually resisting yeah. the ministry. But then the wife starts to resent the husband 
It's like, well, he's put the ministry over me and all he does is go and do ministry. And then, it's like, and then it really is something the enemy starts to use to destroy your relationship. And it's absolutely destructive. Oh, yeah. And I wouldn't say, Aaron, Miriam, as far as you went, I would not say it's safe to say you're not called until the whole household is. God can call a man or a woman. God can call you. Um, but what happens is, and this is, a, this is kind of a sad thing, is that's why it's, why do you think we do these broadcasts where it's like, even with the children, where it's like we're trying to teach young people to understand what you're called to do as early in life as possible. Because every decision that you, um, every decision that you make that surrounds that purpose, that calling, see, I was called into the ministry at five years old. So uh, at the time I was not married uh, when I was five. And so I had, <laughs> I had the ability to uh, know that that's my calling throughout my life, but then you can begin to make decisions that align with your calling throughout your life. And so I'm not, see, it'd be, it's a whole different thing if like I'm 35 and feel, now I feel called into the ministry, but I've been married to, you know, a woman that's first of all, isn't saved, or maybe she's saved, but doesn't feel any call. So now you're in a different position because now it's a, uh, it's, it's a much different thing for you to try to bring that to pass when, uh, you didn't start that way or you weren't able to make decisions that went that direction. But see, I never felt called to the ministry at five. Right. I never felt it at any point, really. Mm -hmm. and, and, and so, you know, I just took, that, that's a case of just taking the steps and direction of the Holy Spirit that got me where I am. It, right. I grew up in church, has nothing to do with not having a love for it. I would see things and I'd be, I would, I would discredit myself. I'd be like, I don't play the piano. Every pastor's wife sang, every pa woman in the ministry, you know, did something on the platform. And I was like, I don't, I don't, I'm not a microphone type of person. I don't speak in front of people. I don't, any of that. Mm -hmm. And I still, even when we got married, that wasn't me. Right. I mean, what, what I'm doing today and what God has set me into is just each day listening to the voice of the Lord and stepping out by faith and stepping out in a, a you know, an uneasy feeling, not in a bad way, but when you step forward and do something that you've never done before, you have that, you know, like, oh my gosh, am I really doing this feeling? But, you know, I wasn't called into the ministry like you were, That's but fine, yet yeah. God, with his direction, brought me on the same page with with him. Right. Hey, Taylor. So what, what we and understood. And Kara, I missed you too. I love you. So what we understood, now, like, for, for example, it would have been unfair for me with her to get into a relationship with her without knowing what to expect. And people laugh at me when I tell her I told her all this on the first date. I told all of these things to Carolyn on the first date that we ever had, official date. Like, this is, this, is what, this is what I'm called to do. This is what I see for the future and all these things. And she had a knowing in her spirit. And so the, the unity is very important. So um, you, you both, to answer the question, what do you do uh, when there's not unity, you need to pray and fast. I mean that because going into ministry, do you know they didn't go? They didn't lightly put people into ministry in the Bible. They would pray and fast and separate them unto God in ministry. Ministry is not some flippant thing you just jump into. Yeah, and 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 I feel like I'm not saying you're you're this way, but I see it a lot over the years where people see this. They see this. They see at studio. They see the platform. They see this and that. But there, there's a behind the scenes weight 
that you carry that God's entrusted you. And so, you know, it's just like I always tell him, I see so many people who want to be called prophet so-and-so and profited this. I told him, I said, listen, I know two prophets, his uncle Terry and his, and his father. And um, I, I, unless God directly told, I don't want that. I, I, like, I don't want that name tag. I don't, I'm not trying to do it. Unless God has called you for that position and that thing, I don't want it. So if, it, it, and he's serious, you need to pray and fast. If you're being called into the fivefold ministry and that, and the, you need to make sure that's what God's asked you to do. Yeah. Because it's not nothing to be taken lightly. Right. Nothing to be taken lightly. T the, another question, Tiff, if you scroll up, just uh, came, came by, which is good. It's a follow-up. How do you get out of the cycle of resentment? Which is a great question. How do you get out of a cycle of resentment? Um, I think one of the things, and I'll, I'll let Carolyn talk about this as well, but I think one of the things that um, you, you start to realize is that any feeling that you may have in your life, any feeling can be brought under self-control and any feeling can be healed. Hurts can be healed. You know, we, we believe God can, Christ can raise the dead, that Christ can open blind eyes, that Christ can unstop deaf ears and all these things. He can regenerate your spirit from dead and trespasses and sins into new life in Christ. But people don't believe he can heal marriages. I mean, he absolutely can heal uh, emotional hurt. He can heal your marriage. He can bring restoration. Um, but the thing that I would say is that when you feel these things, it does take a level of maturity to do what we said earlier, to stand up and say, you know what, though I feel hurt, though I feel broken or whatever it might be, uh, I'm going to take the initiative and say, you know what, I'm going to begin to prefer my, them, them above myself in everything. I'm going to, literally, I'm going to take all the actions of love that many times I don't even feel. I don't even feel them, but I'm going to act them out. And with a good spirit, with yeah. a good spirit. And I'm going to prefer them above myself. And I'm going to do all of the work necessary to, uh, if they feel a resentment in them, I, I'm going to work in, with everything that I have to drive that resentment out of their heart. And then as they begin to feel that love, they begin to feel that closeness once again, uh, God heals the hurts, you're walking in love, and all of those different things. Um, as Britt makes a great point, don't stop waiting for the other person to apologize first. Humble yourself, take the first step, and apologize. You know, one of the things I, I answered recently on Instagram: don't go to go, don't go to sleep angry at each other. You know, that's how you let things build up and build up and build up over days and weeks and months, and then it becomes such a big impassable mountain that you don't even know where to start. Yeah. How about just don't even go to sleep at night angry at each other? And people do that for years. I said that the other day. I said there's stuff that people are still at each other's throats about that happened 20 years ago because it was never resolved and fixed then. And the resentment part, you know, it, like he said, we always say God can heal this and this and this, but we never say anything about our marriages and, and um, you know, being filled with the Holy Spirit. At some point, now we all have been raised differently. We all come from, you know, different walks of life. And so 
stuff throughout the years make us and mold us into who we are. But at some point, where does I'm a new creature in Christ come into action right. in your life? When you're filled with the Holy Spirit, at some point, right. you know what I mean? And I would make a point to make it faster than spread it out through the years. But at totally. some point, we have to like, you know, get big enough and be like, I'm not dealing with this anymore. No question. I'm ending the cycle. My kids aren't going to see this. I'm not going to bring it into my marriage. I'm not going to become this person that, you know, I, maybe was presented to me as a kid. And I don't want to be that. And you know what? Some people do have to work a little harder than others. But it's all available to us and accessible through the word of God to be that new creature in Christ. That's yeah. what you do with the moment of salvation. And so... After a while, the whole like, well, this is, you know, you, when you're 60 years old and you're still battling all this stuff, it's like after a while you can't keep saying, well, this is, you know, how my childhood was and this is how my mom and dad talked to me. And, you know, it's it's like, all right, what, what, what happened to like, I'm not letting this go any further right. you know we say that about genera generation and and what what my parents battled in their body i'm not going to have and my kids are going to have and yeah. we'll confess that all day long till we're blue in the face but then we won't cut it off with our marriage no question and i said it before the enemy the number one thing he wants to come after you there's so much unity when the, the the setup of a family comes into play that the way God created it. Anything yeah. God has made, there's a power behind it. That's and right. when you put the two people together, they become one. And then when you put God at the center, it says a three-braided cord isn't easily broken. And then when you have kids and raising it in that cycle, and then it goes generation after generation after generation, the yep. devil despises that. Yep. He despises everybody on the same page. Mm -hmm. And so when you want to get past resentment, you're going to just have to make the first, like, this is it. I'm not waiting for the other person to apologize. I'm not waiting for the other person to come at me. I'm not waiting for them to fix it. I'm going to fix it. We're going to start now. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, think about what, what she's saying about the, you know, you think about these things that have remained in people's lives for so long that you get to a point where some people can't even remember what they were fighting about originally. Yeah. They don't even remember. They're just angry. It just goes on and, and on. And Cody made a great point. He said, Pastor Cody said, I've been, I've read things about how uh, one of the main elements that shows up in almost all divorces is the feeling of contempt. And they say anything can be worked on, worked out. But once couples start to feel that contempt for one another, without a supernatural divine intervention, without help from the, the word of God, it, it, you know, it starts to be on a huge downward spiral. But I want to read this to you because what she's talking about is basically just walking by the spirit so that you don't fulfill the lusts of the flesh. And here's something that's going to hit, hit you kind of hard, but I want it to hit hard. I want you to feel it in this way. L listen to what Paul said in Galatians 5, 16 on. Listen, he said, walk in the spirit. You'll not gratify the desires of the flesh for those are against the spirit and the desires of the spirit are against the flesh. And they're opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do. Now get this, listen to this carefully. If you're led by the spirit, you're not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are evident. Then it lists them. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies. 
and things like these, I warn you just as I warned you before. Now, it's funny to me, if you will come back to both of us, Tiff, it's funny to me how you can look at your life and people read these lists and they go like, well, you know, I'm not like, I'm not like sexually immoral. I'm, I'm not like involved in orgies. I've not been attending any orgies lately, you know, but then look at the same list. Look at the same list. You know what Paul lists right in the middle of all that stuff? Strife. Yikes, he grouped it together. Strife. <laughs> what about strife? Have you been stirring up strife in your marriage? Have you been, have you been stirring up strife in your marriage? Because Paul lists strife. Look at this one. Fits of anger. Paul lists fits of anger in the same list as orgies. Like as sexual immorality. He's saying these things all are works of the flesh that take place when you refuse to walk by the spirit. And there's people that have, they call themselves where we're spirit filled Christians. We love the Lord and all this, and they can't get their marriage together. They, they deal with fits of anger. They deal with, um, strife in their marriage. Look at this, uh, divisions. He lists divisions. We're divided. We don't even sleep in the same bedroom anymore. You know, we're, we, you know, and, and literally they're living in a, in a relationship, a marriage relationship. They won't even sleep in the same bedroom anymore. They're angry. They're always irritated. They go through fits of anger. There's strife in their marriage. And Paul lists all of these in the same list as sexual immorality and orgies. Think about it. Keep, keep on going. Um, you go through, through this dissensions, jealousy, Paul lists jealousy in there, you know, jealous of their husband, jealous of their wife, jealous of what they do for work, jealous of what they get to do, jealous, you know, because think about how, how this stuff creeps in. Well, you're always going out with your, with the guys. You're always golfing every day. You're always doing it. And I'm stuck here with the kids, always cleaning up, doing stuff with the kids. I never, I'd like to go out sometime and do a thing. I'd like to go without and go, you know, I'd like to have my own time. And you're, and then all of a sudden what happens? Because by the time you hear about it, men, it's already been being thought about for months before you hear about it. And so uh, it's all going on in the battlefield. There's like of the a mind. bunch of conversations going on in our minds, lady. Yeah. And, and, and before you ever get blown up on, that's why guys freak out. They're like, well, yeah, you know, I'm, why am I just hearing all about it? Because it'll be a blow up. You know, all of a sudden there's one, hey, we're going to be running out doing, we got a tea time at 3.30. I am tired of this. <laughs> It's like, what the heck just happened? I just told you I got a tea time through that. I am so sick of you and Ralph and Larry going to the golf course every other day, and I'm stuck here making peanut butter and jelly sandwiches, and I've got Lysol smelling fingers. It's like, dude, what just happened? Then you're like calling Ralph, and you're like, I'm not going to make it. I got stuff. I mean, hell broke loose here at the house. I got to go. When all reality, if wives just mentioned it at the beginning when they first felt that feeling, I guarantee these husbands would have worked it out. We have to remember, like, we don't always think the same way. So, I mean, it's like you're thinking he should have done this and he didn't do it. Now you're holding it against him, but you never even had a conversation with him about it to even know it. And you have to realize, like, Give each other space about it. That's why I love Colossians 3.13. Make room for each other's faults. Yep. Guys will think differently than women. Women are going to think differently than guys. Yeah. So, you know, women, speak up. It, it blows my mind because 
you get married, this is the one person in life that you can be the closest to on all levels. Mm -hmm. Intimacy, uh, secrets, conversations, everything. But yet when it comes to just a simple feeling like, hey, I'm feeling a little frustrated at home. I, I, I need a little breather. I'm home with the kids all day. I'd love a day night with you. Or I'd love to just go out. Would you mind just staying home? Or something like that. Right. We then do what he just gave an example of. Mm -hmm. But isn't this the one person that you can be the closest to in life? Don't you think we can have a simple conversation right. and just say, listen, this is how I feel. Let's work it out. And, and the, other, the other half of that, see, is not just at the, at the feet of the ladies. The other half of that is the- No, the many, I'm not like that, Danielle. Many- <laughs> I'm not like that. People said that on there too. Is Carolyn like that? This sounds like it was personal experience. Um, there, you have to remember for the guys, the guys have to Maybe ask themselves. Maybe at 23 when we got married. Oh yeah, we've like we've grown so much. We, like we would fight when we first got married. Oh yeah, we did. We definitely fought when we, when we first got married. One time she knocked me out cold. I did not. And the not. EMTs came. Oh, it was terrible. No. Stitches. No. But you know, it's but crazy. We have like fixed things around the house. You, you think? <laughs> you think about? <laughs> Listen, that was 23. We're Rage oh, 39. <laughs> But um, hey, this is real talk. We've had to fix things around the house. Real you know. talk care. That's right. Anyway, um, <laughs> the the thing that you start to realize is, guys, you you can be introspective and think to yourself, you know, my wife has been doing nothing but work. She's been doing nothing but taking care of kids. She's been doing nothing but, and, and, and rather than me saying, you know what, I need another golf day. Rather than saying that, part of what we're talking about, the per, per, uh, preferring one another above yourself, you begin to think, don't let that stop after the dating is over. Don't let that stop after the engagement is over where you did everything. Um, you know, all those different things that you did for them when you were trying to get them uh, to be yours. And then after, you know, you've locked them up and they're, you know, it's like, it just goes to- I said that in my broadcast. I was like, everything you guys did before when you went to a date and everything, you cared what you looked like, you cared what you smelled like, you cared what you said, you cared everything. And then what happens when you get married? I wear Crocs to the store. No, I don't I don't even own a pair of Crocs. No, I mean. Yes, I got stuck with that. Yes. <laughs> she deals with it, guys. Your evangelist wears Crocs to the store. <laughs> Listen, if you're not crocking, you're not rocking. That's how I live my life. Cody broke his toe in his Crocs I gave him. Well. You shouldn't he have been doing him, like heavy lifting. No, with he Crocs got him on. like stuck on the stairs or something and bent his toe backwards. Oh, in the croc. Touching, Lord. In the croc. <laughs> it was a croc. It's a croc attack. <laughs> but that's the key. I mean, it comes back to preferring the other above yourself. Somebody, Tiffany, if you scroll up, somebody earlier asked, what's the best marriage advice I can give? Um, <laughs> communication is the thing, the direction that I was going to go. Because people don't even realize, um, you know, the things that, uh, what's the best marriage advice I can give to a close friend who's struggling marriage and neither are saved? Well, obviously the first one's going to be, they need to be uh, saved. They need to get saved. You know, things are not going, without the help of the Holy Spirit, there's going to be, um, there's going to be serious, serious issues that can't be resolved. It can't be dealt with. Uh, so you got to be saved. But one of the directions I would go for almost every uh, married couple, I would say communication is far more important than anyone ever thinks that it is. Don't you think? 
Communication is far more important than anyone ever thinks that it is. Think about all the different levels where proper communication could have helped people out. You know, what about the communication about what's happening with the future of our life? You know, I, I feel it's like we're stuck. You know, no, no vision provided. That's a problem. Um, another, another issue is that many times wives and husbands are not uh, communicated to affectionately, verbally. So, you know, they'll never hear very, you know, I know couples that they don't, they're not, I love you couples. You know, they don't say that often. I do. Uh, um, you say it often. But I, <laughs> people, people like that, like you, you don't hear affectionate things. You don't hear compliments, flirty compliments or anything. It's like you're, you'd never hear that. You know what I'm saying? You wouldn't hear it. And then what do you do with, if that's you, you have a husband or a wife like that, but then your love language is words of affirmation. Now that's, you're gonna start exploding or completely shutting down because you're not, you know, truthfully, you feel like they, they don't even care whatsoever uh, about anything pertaining to you. So there's bad communication affectionately, in vision, uh, sexually, you know, people don't communicate and then they, they wonder why there's problems they wonder why there's tons of problems in their intimacy of their relationship. It's because nobody communicates. They, we've been taught as Christians it's a, something we don't talk about and it's something that's, you know, you don't talk about sex. It's bad to say sex. You know, everybody's always whispering stuff about it. <laughs> it's true because I said, I said that on a long time ago. I did a podcast called, called, called Why You Should Probably Be Having More Sex. Alyssa <laughs> knows tons, tons of, of sex. sex. Hashtag tons of sex. And in there, it was, it started with that. You're raised in the Christian teaching of sex, right? But it's all like bad until you get married. Mm -hmm. But you carry that, it's a bad word into your marriage and then you stay closed in. You mm -hmm. don't have that intimate relationship. When I went through the Bible the other day, it talks about how it says, don't stay away from each other. Right. You have to have sex. Yeah, is that's Carolyn's I mean, version of it. It said unless you guys go away to pray or fast, right. or you both are agreement, and then it says quickly get back together, right. or Satan will come in to destroy it. Plant and, re seeds, and remember that lies. Paul dealt with that question because there were people that had questions about, well, what about when we're going into like very very serious times Thanks, of Bethany. prayer? You know, what about when we're pursuing God in very serious times of prayer? He said, that is the only exception. That's, that's literally what, what Paul said. That's the only exception to pause intimacy. But get what he said. He said, if you're going to pause intimacy, sexual intimacy, he said, it has to be agreed upon by both people. You know why? Because the Bible teaches that her body belongs to me and that my body belongs to her. That's a scriptural principle. And so Paul said, if you both agree, if we both agree to go into a time of prayer and fasting for something we're believing for, and we said, we're going to kind of abstain from everything for these three days, six days, seven days, 21 days, we're just seeking God. We're cutting out entertainment, everything. We're cutting out everything except fasting and prayer. This is a serious situation. We both have to agree because if we don't, because as the Bible teaches, if she didn't agree and said, no, no, I'm not giving up intimacy for 21 days. Or if I didn't agree and said that, then there's no, it's not right for her to say, no, I, I feel to. And so you're not getting anything for 21 days. That's against scripture. 
Because the Bible says that once you get married, the other's body belongs to the other. And so Paul said, unless it is by a, a consensual agreement. And he said, and even then only for a short time, yeah. only for a short time. And then quickly, as she said, quickly come back together so that Satan doesn't gain a foothold in your life and in your relationship. Because intimacy is something that God created, something that God created. Miranda said, what about those six weeks after pregnancy? I'm sure your husband will understand. <laughs> Maybe not. Listen, let me finish my okay. sentences. I'm gonna move on real fast so we don't lose it again. I was gonna say, he, I'm sure understands, a lot just happened down there. But during those six weeks, there are other things you can do in the meantime until Scrabble, you are. <laughs> twister. <laughs> slip and slides. You can do those too. You can do anything you want. It's true. But it's true. There are other things that you can do in the meantime. You don't have to leave the man hanging for six weeks. It's okay. true. Going on to the next question. It's very true. So but, but people gloss over it and no. they fail to realize how important intimacy is and marriages are being destroyed because of it. Communication's not there. Intimacy's not there. Right. And then people feel isolated in their own relationship and then they're hurting and then they feel like they've been left alone. And then, then, then as Paul taught, then there is things that happen where the devil comes in and doors are left open and the devil gains a foothold. Danny said, yes, Sister Carolyn, say that. The, the, the devil it. gains a foothold. And then people begin to struggle. And then people, and then all of a sudden, you're not drinking the water from your own wells anymore. Now it's Proverbs 5.12, I believe, or something like that, 5.15. And there you go. And that's, that's what ends up happening. There's a prescription oh. in the Word of God for wandering eyes and lustful situations that happen outside. Don't push your husband. Don't push your wife to go looking elsewhere because you it always starts with looking yeah elsewhere it right. starts with looking elsewhere do not cause them to be pushed with their eyes to begin with in other ways uh mr clausen said what's the best way to be joyful with your wife continually i would say to answer that question laugh a lot is Watch to YouTube lead, videos together. <laughs> to lead a marriage, to lead a life that is filled with joy. You know, lead in joy, you know, which is, which is something that I feel like you have to work at. Why you're saying the word lead, lead into what the husband's role is. Because I talked about what the wife role is in a marriage. For the guys that are listening, as you're talking about leadership, talk about what it is for the husband's role in a marriage. First of all, you don't tell me what to do on a broadcast. Listen, I'm kidding. I just oh. said, you're on my broadcast. <laughs> my, said, time, my time, don't buddy. My time, buddy. In all in all seriousness, the husband's role, uh, as we talk about all these things, we've always believed this, I've always taught this, that if there ends up being issues, now it doesn't mean that the wife can't do something wrong, uh, it doesn't mean that there's, there's not, you know, you can't both have a free will and stray and do something you shouldn't have, but the husband has been given by God the responsibility of being the head of the home, the high priest of the home. When God came into the garden with Adam and Eve, it was Eve who first ate the fruit. She's the one that rebelled, but notice when she brought it to her husband, he also ate. But when God came, he did not judge Eve, he came to Adam. Why did he come to Adam? 
because Adam is the one who had authority. He's the one to whom God had delegated that authority. And so I truly, now this is a personal belief of mine, knowing how delegated authority works, knowing how these things work. I have the belief because of the way God gave authority to Adam, that if Eve had committed that sin, had made that mistake, that when she came to Adam and let him know, he could have brought correction to that issue and everything could have been redeemed, if you will, because the one who is the head brought correction where correction was needed. Notice, we didn't fall into sin in the world because of Eve's sin. We fell in according to scripture because of Adam's sin. And it was Adam that God was holding accountable. And so we've taught this and believed that the, the husband is the head of the home, that the husband is the one who uh, is responsible to carry the, the flow of the house, the feeling of the house, that if it's not where it's supposed to be, that the husband should take his leadership role and bring the family to where they're supposed to be. The husband should lead in joy. The husband should lead in peace. He should lead in love. He's the one that should be bringing spiritual authority into the home. You know, it shouldn't always be the wife that has to uh, always correct the children. It's not the wife that should always have to bring punishment. It's not the wife that should have to do all those things. The husband should lead from a place of strength, authority, love, peace, and joy. And of course, righteousness. And, and you know that uh, the husband has a responsibility that he is to even be able, should, should be able, you know, you think about the fact that you get united with your husband and wife when you're married, you get united with them. The Bible says you be, the two become one. The husband should be able to feel in his spirit if things are off with his wife. He should be able to feel in his spirit if things are off with the children. He should be able to have a sense and not be so disconnected and out doing other things, meaning like so disconnected from his family that he can't tell that there are crises going on in the home that he's totally unaware of because he's so disconnected doing other things. The husband has a responsibility to lead the home, to lead the wife. The Bible doesn't just say, I know this is unpopular in this feminist society, this hyper-feminist society we live in. <laughs> But the Bible does not just say that the husband is the head of the home. The Bible is very clear that the husband is the head of the wife. The head of the wife, not just the head of the home. And so you start to realize, if you read in Ephesians where the Bible talks about this, it gives parameters. It says that wives are to submit themselves to their husbands. Ooh, but that, that word, they don't like it. Yeah, but husbands are supposed to love their wives as Christ loved the church. So, you know how easy it is to submit to that kind of love? To where you have a love, now, whether you get that kind of love or not, it doesn't change your command. A wife is still commanded, they are separate commands. It's not, well, if your husband does, doesn't do this, then you're not required to do this. That's not, that's not the scripture. It's, this is your command, this is your command. The husband will be judged by God if he doesn't follow his, the wife will be judged by God if she doesn't follow hers. So the key being though, if a husband loves the wife as Christ loved the church, then what does that mean? He loved her and gave himself for her. So it's a selfless love. It's a put the other first kind of love. That's an easy thing to submit to. When you know for sure that he truly has my very best interests at heart, 
He wants the best for me. He wants the best for the children. He wants the very best. And so it's easy for me to, to and I may not understand everything he sees in, in his spirit. I may not know what he's heard from the Lord, but I'm going to trust that because I know he has that kind of love for us and that he's guiding our, our home spiritually, this is best case scenario, I'm going to trust and I'm going to and, uh, yield to that, submit to that authority. Nancy said, but what about the husbands that abuse that authority? Once again, uh, a wife is still required to obey scripture, whether her husband does or not. But of course, there are times where the abuse even goes over into emotional and physical abuse. And of course, we would never, um, yeah, that's true. No, I see you Christian said, I'm pretty sure if you and your partner aren't even uh, yoked equally, uh, it's not going to happen. It's very true. That's why Paul was so adamant about not unequally yoking yourself with an unbeliever because it's not going to be the same. It's going to be constant tension. Uh, but when I, when I say that, we would obviously never um, uh, give advice or counsel somebody that's being physically abused uh, to stay in that home, you know, just for the sake of Christianity. That like, no, you need to stay there and just trust by faith. He'll stop beating your face every night. No, get out, get somewhere safe, get the help you need. If you need to call the police, call them. But believe God obviously that that person will be saved, but don't put yourself in danger uh, when you're being beat uh, and, and all, all these things that happen commonly, sadly. Um, don't, don't stay there in that danger and put your kids in that danger uh, when you know that that's the, the pattern and the process. So you take care of yourself, but it doesn't mean you hate the person. You still pray for them. You still believe God for them. But the husband has a heavy responsibility that many husbands have not fully taken on and all husbands need to work on um, because it's an ongoing process with your flesh and you're fighting against your flesh. That's right. Let me see if I have any more questions before yeah. we go. It was a fast hour. Oh, someone just wrote, what if your husband is unsaved? Are we still to submit on believing for him? You submit in love and you submit as far as you can without disobeying scripture, right? So let me give you an example of what that might mean. You submit to your, you submit to your husband in love. That means that you're still called to love him. You're still called to help him, support him. Uh, you're still called to do all the things that a wife would do, uh, be a witness to him, care for him, care for your children that he's given you. But then what do you do when your husband gives you a command that is uh, contradictory to scripture? He, even though you may work your own job and he works his own job, I'm not having any of our money go to church tithes. We get well, that a lot. We get that a lot. Well, you, you're going to have to sit and explain to him, this is the money that I make from my job. You may not want to tithe on your money because you don't serve the Lord, but I'm tithing on mine. Uh, what, you know, what if your husband wants you to go out and do sinful things? And he wants you to go out. There's a party. You know, we always used to do that. These are our party friends. We used to always go get drunk on the weekends with them and just have a good time. You don't do it anymore. So well, you, you, you just don't want. And then if that, you see the, the struggle that that presents, you know, anything that, um, you know, there, there might be things that are uh, sexually immoral, you know, all those. You can't submit to sin, but you submit in love as much as you can to your husband, still loving, still caring all the things you would do uh, as long as it doesn't contradict the word of God. 
And the moment it contradicts the word of God, you just have to plainly tell him that I'm not, I don't do those things anymore. I'm not doing that. That's not how I'm going to live my life. Uh, I've made a decision to serve Jesus and to obey the word of God. And he may not like it, but I guarantee you stick with your guns. Anybody with a brain will uh, at least respect it, at least respect it. Um, and so there are times. Now, there, that's why there's provision in the New Testament that if a, a, a believing husband or a believing wife gets saved while they're already in a marriage and the unbeliever that is the other uh, member of the marriage, the other the spouse, they're still a sinner. The Bible says they may choose to leave you because you've converted to Christianity. They may choose to go on their way. And you've got to, you know, you've got to be willing to let them go. But the Bible says that if they're willing to stay with you, that you're not to leave them just because you got saved. That if they're willing to stay in a marriage relationship, then you're to stay married to that person, be faithful to that person. It's not like, hey, I'm saved, now I'm going to find myself a hot husband that is saved. No, you've already got a husband, and uh, you've got to make sure you do what the Bible says. Uh, per said, how do you know who's the right one to marry? Well, that's, you've got to be led by the Spirit. The Bible gives you parameters. There'll be somebody that's saved, that serves the Lord, equally yoked, but you've got to be led by the Spirit on who the exact person is. Um, and, and that's very important. Very important. Uh, last one. Two, we kind of answered this one. How do you handle it when your husband doesn't make time to spend or talk, spend time with you or talk to you? We kind of talked about that with the... S say that one more time. How do you handle it when your husband doesn't make time to spend with you or talk to you? But we, we kind of touched on that with communicating. Proper communication like, in love. You know, if it's bothering you, you need to go speak, speak to him about it. Yeah. Sit down and talk to him about it. Um, the other one was, probably the last one because we're getting late, would be, um, what would you say to a wife that assumes the leader role in her house being married? So it probably looks like... Is this a friend? She's married. Is this like a friend asking it or the husband asking it? This is a lady asking. I, I don't know. How? You just say woman? Asking. No, I'm kidding. Well, I mean, it's out of order, so... But you it, know why? You know what happens sometimes, though? Sometimes the wives have to step up and, and do that. They do. Because their husbands won't do it. Well, I know. That's why they, they end up doing it. or quiet. Uh, but I'm just saying it, it's still out of order per the, the way the, the Bible has it. So, I mean, like, it, it's going to get to the point where it, it, it's not going to work fully in the way because you're switching up the roles of the way God created it to be. You can't. I understand why they're getting into that position. Yeah, it happens. But it's out of order. So some, the ball's going to be dropped. Something's not going to work right eventually. Yeah, you, ha you have to. And, and obviously all these things are based on whether both people are saved. You know, what kind of how, what maturity or discipleship they, they, they have in the kingdom of God. You know, obviously the very best case is that the husband steps up in, in responsibility and does what he's called to do. That doesn't always happen. Even in the church, it doesn't always happen. And for years, w there are many women who have had to stand up and take that place of strength because someone's got to do it. And it shouldn't have had to be them, but their husbands wouldn't do it. And I saw that. Because husbands aren't it. getting proper teaching on how to be a husband. What you just explained as the husband role is not what's being taught. Right. And you can tell it in these younger marriages, the more we're coming, you know, now that we're getting into our 
40s <laughs> and you're coming across these newlyweds, it's not being transferred down from a father teaching their son, this is how you handle your house. This is the role of a husband. This is the role of a father. It's not being properly taught. And so we're going into marriages with based on, ooh, I love them. They look good. It's great. I, I can't live without them. And then they think that's how it's going to work out. But yeah. that's not that's not a foundation for a marriage to last long and last well the way God wants it to be. Yeah, that's exactly uh, I, right. I mean, it always bugs me that it's like, you're taught that when you're married, you're giving up life. When you're married, you have to give a, a sacrifice. It's sacrificing to an extent where you do, you're doing stuff for others. You're doing it out of love. You're, you're putting yourself down. Yeah, it's a sacrifice that way. But you should be able to have a fun, loving, joyful marriage of increase. And I mean, you should never feel like you can't have your cake and eat it too. I mean, that's what the world tells you. And then, or if it gets a little bit tough, you gotta go, just move on. You don't have to put up with that. You're stronger than that. You're a better person than that. And then people are so quick to sign the papers and move on to the next thing. And, and it's never gonna be fixed. It's just, that's the foundation you've laid it. That's what you think marriage is. And they call it a day. Yeah, that's absolutely right. Um, at the end, before we do the giveaway, which we're gonna be doing in a minute, we're doing the giveaway the date night giveaway for everybody. We do want to pray for you because uh, there's something very powerful to be said about a strong marriage. A strong marriage, what God wants for you and your husband or, or your wife, if you're a man. Um, you know, it's important. God doesn't, you know, and look what the devil's tried to do even in the church is to de destroy so many marriages, tries to come against so many marriages. He wants children to grow up yeah. in broken homes. He wants children to grow up in, in homes that have no father so that they won't even be able to understand how to properly interact with a heavenly father because they had a, have a, an earthly father that left them or that ignored them, you know, never, never even came to their games, didn't show up on Christmas or birthdays or just abandoned them. And the devil wants to destroy families because God is the one who instituted families. And so I want to pray that God would strengthen every one of your relationships, but also that God would, by His Holy Spirit, help you to have supernatural humility in your life. It's hard. I mean, like, it's not an easy thing to be humble. It's not an easy thing. I mean, I've dealt with it. It's not, I, you know, no one has an easy time humbling themselves. Nobody has an easy time putting their flesh under. Uh, it's, it's not <laughs> it's an not. easy thing. That's why Especially it's talked about. Especially when you're a about. strong person. Yeah. Like we're two strong people married together. Right. And, and, and um, but we also want to live happily together. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and that takes humility and that takes yes. putting the other first and that takes that. Swallowing that pride. Right. Meekness Pushing is. It down. Meekness is not weakness. Meekness is true strength being, being put on display. And it's strength over self. It's self-control. It's dying to the flesh. So I'm going to pray that God puts a supernatural humility in every one of us, a supernatural meekness, and, and pray that God would give us uh, an empathy, a love for others, a compassion for our spouses, uh, and an understanding how to walk in that kind of love that brings a, a flourishing marriage, not one that's diminishing in its quality. Father, we come to you today in the mighty name of Jesus, thankful for the husbands, the wives we've been given. 
We thank you, Lord, for the relationships and those that are still believing for a husband or a wife. We thank you that the perfect, the right person that you have for them is coming into their life quickly. We thank you, Lord, that it'll be a blessing to them. For all of us, Lord, we ask you, by your Holy Spirit, strengthen us and give us a supernatural self-control, a supernatural humility and meekness. Let us walk uh, circumspectly before you and in our own homes with our families. I pray, Lord, that our children would always see the proper example of life in Christ, that our husbands and wives would feel and see and experience what Christ-like behavior truly is in Jesus' name. Let our homes flourish. Let our families be greatly blessed in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. Lord, let this be the greatest um, uh, season of marriage that we've ever had. Lord, for even for those that have been married 30 years, let these upcoming years, as Jesus tarries, be the greatest years of marriage they've ever seen. Let the love be deeper, the affection be greater, and I pray, Lord, that everything would continue to rise as we serve you and as we humbly uh, yield ourselves to your word and to your spirit in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Praise Amen. God. Amen. I am so glad that you all hung out with us today. I, it took a little bit of talking and getting him on. Amen. Love you guys. <laughs> and getting him on, but I really, you know, as I was doing these wife editions, uh, I thought it would be great to get him on to speak to the guys and to answer any questions with us. So thanks for sticking around with us a little bit longer than normally do on the afternoon broadcasts, but we love you, we appreciate you. And now it's time for the winner. Date night winner. Scrambled name. A scrambled name, and I just got it in. The winner is Laura and AJ Bible. Woo! Go somewhere Pop. nice. Well, All the confetti IHOP. coming down. Listen. Go, I'm thinking, Laura. I'm go, thinking AJ. House. I'm go, thinking, go. Thinking McDonald's. Take her to Taco Bell, AJ. That's a lot of dates. Something good. Anything you want on the Arby's menu, Laura. They're going to have to drive a little bit out of their town to go somewhere. Just a little bit. They Just can, a little bit. They can go to Aldi. That's AJ's favorite. App Applebee's. The <laughs> Zach, the crew's going to Applebee's. Congratulations, AJ and Laura. I will get with you after this broadcast to send you $200 to go on a date on us. Enjoy a little time out. Just the two of you. You deserve it. They're new parents. I love you guys so much. Have a wonderful weekend. We have to go. Gotta go push some buttons. <laughs> Folks, we all we do is pray. We just read the word and we pray. And push buttons. I don't even know where those three children came from, to be honest with you. The stork dropped them off. I think they... I'm gonna go push buttons. I love you guys. I'm sending you out with it's Friday. Friday, Friday. Bye. See you next week.